Saving Uncensored is brought to you by Colonel Duff. Duff, helping a random handicapped guy in the middle of nowhere. Only on Gaming Uncensored. Controlling transmission. Divided by a thousand miles of barren wasteland, two men mysteriously linked by alien technology on a podcasting mission to boldly deliver video game news and views directly to your brain. This is Gaming Uncensored. Now, your gaming uncensored guides, the dynamic duo, the video game gurus, yeah, okay. a man on wheels, and a yeti with a modem, Jamie and Tommy. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. How you doing? My name is Jamie Jordan, and this is a brand new episode of Gaming Uncensored in which I'm going to try not to cough. <laughs> um, and of course, Tommy sitting over there. What's on the show this week, sir? Uh, we, we've got lots of stuff to get to. I don't know how much of it we'll get to. Uh, we've got Game Award nominees. We'll definitely talk about that. Uh, we've got uh, World of Warcraft news, randomly enough, but like lots of it. Uh, they did a big uh, stuff with Blizzard, uh, BlitzCon, whatever, recently. So we'll get to some of that <laughs> to to really throw back to back in the day. And uh, okay, a Zelda so- movie. we got to talk about the Zelda movie. We will definitely get into that one. That's uh I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. It's, uh, that that's a that's an interesting conversation that's coming. So uh we'll we'll it, tease that one. <laughs> let's just say it's I, I feel a little cringy. Let's just put it that way. That is fair. So Yeah. What is going on, sir? You know, uh we have a baby and that uh that's nuts. Uh, <laughs> so that's uh we we have been off for a while again, uh as everybody uh knows and is <laughs> well aware of. Uh babies just eat time. Uh, I talked about that with the first one. The second one I feel like eats time even more. Um, especially because we have two kids now, and so trying to keep up with a five year old and deal with a baby. <laughs> It's just like time just disappears. It's like I I have no idea how we're like halfway through November. Like I just totally missed the months of October. Like I just disappeared on us. So, uh, so yeah, that's been the bulk of it, uh, which is great. Baby's doing good. We're we're uh, enjoying family life. Uh, but man, it just uh, sucks the time away. And so uh, that's that's where we've been. Uh, how about you? Well, I'm going to be totally honest with you and and say that I don't have kids and I still don't know how <laughs> we got to the middle of November. Isn't so that that's not that's not a kid thing. That's just an adult thing. Uh, I can't believe next week is Thanksgiving. Uh, I have not enough time to do anything. Yes. Uh, and what little time that I have is going into Boulder Gate. And I'm really approaching the level of the 300-pound kid who is like 45 and doesn't have a job <laughs> and lives in his mom's basement. Like, that's that's where I'm at with Boulder Gate. Yeah. Um, it, 
And it's great. It's fantastic. Um, but before we get into that, we should say thanks to the Patreon guys. Yes, we should. <laughs> While Jamie tries to <laughs> get a cough out. It's going to be a lot of that today. Just uh, be forewarned. Yeah. So. Thank you, Cabbage, Jose, Narc, Duff, Josh, Hector, Spider, Spencer, Kavash, Chad, Zeke, Chris, Brigham, Sam, Andrew, Luik, Logan, and Liz. Uh, we appreciate your support, uh, especially recently. Uh, we, we appreciate you guys as we've been uh, a little bit longer between shows. We are planning to get more consistent, I promise, uh, getting into routines here. But we uh, we we love you guys, and, and thank you so much for your support. Uh, if you would like to support us on Patreon, of course, you can do that. Go by GamingUncensored.com. Uh, click the Become a Patron link there near the top of the page. Uh, we would happily take your money and play some games because we have been playing one game really one game I've got another yeah. game to talk about I've played another game uh, uh, since last we uh, spoke and so I'll talk about that a little bit uh, but the bulk of gaming when it has happened has been uh, Baldur's Gate and so um, yeah uh, tell me a little bit about how you're doing at Baldur's Gate so uh, real quick before we do that I, I had to apologize to everybody because you wanted to do this show yesterday and like the day before that. <laughs> uh, but I have to totally admit that up until this morning at about 7.30, I sounded like Marge Simpson and that would not have been fun. Uh, so I appreciate the patience of everybody because I don't know what this is that I had and it's one of those things that I never really felt bad. I just sounded like I felt bad. Yeah. So I thanks everybody for hanging in with us. He has a valid reason for not being here. I'm just a weak old man at this point. <laughs> um, so Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate is real good. <laughs> Baldur's Gate is one of those that, first of all, I don't know which clock is right because Steam says I have a hundred something hours, which is stupid because I'm not out of Act One, right? <laughs> and, and and then, but when you save in the game, it says I have like 85, which is more reasonable, I think. Um, my main issue with Baldur's Gate at this point is fabulous. There's there's literally nothing wrong with it. I have no complaints. What I'm about to say. Sounds like a complaint, but it's really not. The only real serious problem I've had with Baldur's Gate is trying to figure out when you miss an initial quest point, how to find that quest again. Because I complained about... Uh, the Night Song quest two weeks ago or three weeks ago and how hard it was to find that. And now I'm going through the same process with um, Carledge. Oh, yeah. Where where Carledge is 
I've run with Carlette long enough that, that I've gotten that thing at camp where she pulls you aside and goes, um, I don't feel too good, boss. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've gotten that, but, <laughs> yep, yep. but um, I know where I need to go. I know the guy that I need to talk to. It's just that I missed him in Act 1 because I didn't get him until... I I didn't get Carlatch until I had basically finished the Grove and everybody took off. And so now I have to wait till Act 2. And apparently he's at the end in Act 2 somewhere. That, that's my only thing is that, that it's really, especially the, the quests that matter, it's really hard to know where the start point for those are if you miss it initially yeah that's really my only gripe yeah it is uh one of the the kind of tricks with the game is that it just doesn't hold your hand basically at all (laughs) that it's just like here's the world go find stuff um and you can just so easily as we talked about on the last show, which was a while back, but the same kind of thing that we talked about then was like, <clears> just like do stuff and you're like, oh, that did this and triggered that and did this and I didn't know that existed and, and on and on. And you just find yourself like in the middle of things that you're like, okay, well, I missed that before. I guess we'll catch up. The uh, What I'll tell you on, on Carlax without any kind of spoilers to it is you'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> you're not missing anything really. Uh, there's a little bit of progression from where you're at uh, in that quest line, but not much until later. Like you get to a point that's like, okay, now go find somebody in Baldur's Gate. And so, uh, so you're not missing much. I wouldn't stress about that at all. Uh, but there are so many of those things that you're like, oh, did I totally miss? Did I screw up? Did I? And I've had to get to the point with it that I'm just kind of like, you know what? Like, if I miss something, I'm going to go look it up online and see whether or not I care that I missed it. You know, and that's uh, the we talked about the the usefulness of guides with Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate's a game that we're both relying heavily on guides for because there's just so much that you don't want to miss. But at the same time, there's stuff that you're going to miss because you can't possibly do everything on on a single playthrough. I just played through an uh, an area where you have to make a decision, and it's like a pretty significant like side with this faction or this faction kind of thing. And it's like you could like there's a really good argument for either one. There's not like a oh I'm a you know good character, so I'm going to choose this one. Obviously, like there's a good reason that you would side with either faction. And so it's just like okay, let me go see like what what was the alternative i chose one and then i want to see what the alternative was and then i'm like oh if i like the alternative better i'll just reload my save and go the other way you know like eh, yeah i I, we would have when we were younger we would have uh kept our gamer cards and tried to have done it as straight as possible yep but i'm just not there anymore like i i just i don't I don't have time and I don't have desire. Yep. Um, there is one thing that I want to ask you about because I wonder if I am just seeing things. Uh, but if you have, have you done anything non-lethally yet? I have. Like, because I swear 
that you get more XP for going non-lethal than you do if you don't. Yeah. Which doesn't make a lot of sense because it doesn't really change the combat encounters. Right. There's still blood on the ground. Like, yeah. the people look dead. Right. <laughs> like, I, I don't really, like, the, the first place where I really felt like I screwed up is I did the treehouse with the old lady, and she had, like, four people with masks running around. Right. And, like, they were under her control, and this is one of those things that after I had done this section, I looked it up, and it basically said if you keep a couple of these people alive, you can help them later. And and so I was like, well, that sucks, but I'm not going back. Right. Um, and so I switched to non-lethal on everybody. And I can see literally no downside to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure because I did the same thing. Um, at some point, there was some quest. I don't remember what it was. It was a different one than that. But same kind of thing that it was like, oh, I don't want to kill these people, but I need to take care of these people. Uh, and so the non-lethal option is nice that it was there. And I, I kept it on for a little while. <laughs> and I switched it back. Because I was just like, eh, I'm just gonna kill people, uh, you know, <laughs> like whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. that was the same thing. Like I had that same experience of like, how is this different? Other than like their quote unquote unconscious laying on the ground instead of quote unquote dead laying on the ground. But like you still like you loot them. The, their bodies apparently don't stay. Like their bodies disappear after a while, I guess, because they theoretically wake up and leave. You know, but like right. they don't necessarily reappear anywhere on the map unless it's something like that where you're saying like they have a specific story element that can pop back up later on. And so, if that's the the like only caveat between it, like yeah, I could totally understand why you would just say yeah, go non lethal all the time, and and that way you keep that potential. If there's something like that where somebody may pop back up unless you killed them, uh, uh, why not? Well, and the other thing is, is like I started to notice that I got 75 XP per person. And up until that point, I was getting like 40. Um, and so I don't know if it's just game progression or or some sort of progression in the background that we don't see right that now stuff is worth more um i don't know but i'm very curious about whether or not because if if i known that it worked that way from the get-go, I would have just run that way. I mean, there's literally no there's literally no reason not to have it on. Yeah, that's what um, I'm kind of looking for right now, just to see if like anybody has a, a, a argument. Um yeah, so apparently, so this is a caveat to it. Spells and range attacks always deal lethal damage. So the it's only melee okay. attacks that are non-lethal, even if you have non-lethal uh, on. Okay. So, but other than that, like it, it appears that there's really practically no difference between them. So, and there's some well, like, 
uh, paladins have like a, a potential like uh, uh, penalty for killing people with a certain ability and that kind of like there's you know a handful of different reasons why you would want to do non-lethal damage for quests or for certain characters or whatever but uh, as far as just running the whole game with it like I, I don't see a reason why you couldn't <laughs> like well, what mean, the downside the, would be to doing that doesn't seem like there's anything really so uh, that'll penalize you for well now that's kind of annoying because if every spell is lethal like that's the other thing about the game that's kind of annoying but it's just part of the tabletop thing uh in that every encounter every person gets a chart right so if i am down to the end of a guy let me let me take the Inquisitor, for example, in the uh, monastery, because I just killed that guy. Um, he had 112 points of damage, and he wiped me twice before I figured out enough to like take him out. And still, I I honestly think I survived just because a couple of rolls were lucky. Right. And, you know, saving throws did what they do, and they didn't do that the previous two times. Um, But I got that that guy down to, like, 10 points, and then, you know, took him out with Magic Missile. Well, if that's a lethal kill, then... Right. So that's the... Why did I... Yeah, but that's the caveat. If you do want to like, it's more, I guess, of a like a role playing decision, right? Like, if you want to actually role play as a character who doesn't kill people, um, you've got that option. But then you have to be strategic about it. You can't finish off the guy with magic missile. Like, you have to, you know, like do something else on your turn and then get your next melee dude up to to knock him out or whatever it is. And so, like, if you wanted to just do it purely on a role playing standpoint, which is something that's like a totally like legit approach to Baldur's Gate that I'm not really taking. Like you could really play it like super like a, a D&D campaign where you are totally right. embodying the the character or the characters that you're playing as and really like hardcore leaning into the role-playing side of it. The game doesn't make you do that and there's no like um specific uh mechanic in the game that like does that for you that benefits you in some way or 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 kind of leads you into that aside from just kind of natural role playing nature of it which is obviously very very deep and, and great um but you could take it just personally that one step farther and you could play the game uh in a a style that doesn't actually have any consequences in the game pro or con but would change your approach to it which is cool you know like that's something that makes more sense in a game like Baldur's Gate than just about any other game because it is built off of this role-playing tradition that is um uh understanding the player making decisions that don't necessarily exist or or aren't scripted maybe it's a better way to say that uh but you know most games that we're playing as as quote-unquote open world or whatever that as they are the mechanics are still mostly pretty set and 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 linear and Baldur's Gate obviously is that way too 
but Baldur's Gate has the understanding of a like another layer on top of that with player control that I don't think most other games do because of it being a D&D title. So let me ask you about um let me ask you about weapons because the monastery is the first place that I've been where I'm just picking up scads and scads and scads of like really nice uh magical like want to use on a regular basis weapons and one in particular is uh, a mace that is stuck in the vault uh, that at the monastery, which you can totally skip over. Like, if you don't know it's there, you're going to miss it. Um, and I went and got that thing, and apparently it's, like, super, super, super powerful and comes in really, really handy for Act 2. And, and my thing is, because melee is based off of a strength modifier, I usually give those type of weapons to Carlatch or Lazelle or whoever's got the strength modifier. But I'm wondering, do you, if you have a weapon like that that is clearly better than anything else that you have, if you've been giving that to your main guy, if they can even remotely use it, like obviously, if he is not proficient in that weapon, right? I'm not gonna let him use it. But if he can use it, I've been debating on okay, do I let him run with this or do I let one of them take it? Yeah, I, um, I, I don't prioritize my main guy for basically anything other than see me either. Like the only things that I do kind of prioritize with him is uh, like uh, interactive bonuses, right? Because I do most of my interaction with my main guy as the lead, but I'll still switch to one of the the other party members to do certain interactions if I'm like, oh, this is a better you know thing for Shadowheart to be talking to this person than it is for my lead guy or whatever. Like I'm, I'm I do that pretty often as well. Yeah. Uh, but as far as gear goes, I give no priority, but. I'm also running, you know, like a rogue, a barbarian, a mage, and a, a third party member, which are a fourth party member, which I switch out that fourth party member pretty often. Um, but like they all have fairly defined weapons and tools that work well for them, you know. And so even if I get like a, a pretty powerful weapon, if it's not a weapon that makes sense for my party, like it's it's hanging out at camp or I equip it on one of the other party members and whenever I pull them, then they have it. But like, I would rather have a lesser weapon that is more uh, effective in the hands of the character that is using it than a better weapon that isn't, you know, as effective because it doesn't match whatever, not just proficiency, but other character traits and abilities and that kind of stuff. See, we're playing the same way and I wonder how many people play this way because... The other thing that I would say about the game is that in a lot of cases, the character that I built, my main guy, does not matter. Yeah. Like there's <laughs> there's there's a lot of there's a lot of scenarios where I'm like, dude, I really just wish I could leave this dude back at camp. Yeah. Um 
because, like, he is a charisma-based character. He talks his way out of stuff. But I'm in a situation now, like, I got to the end of the monastery, and now all the Githyanki are mad, and I'm going to have to <laughs> either fight my way out or or teleport out or something yep and that dude is like totally because there's, there's there's no the the goblin camp's another great example i talked my way in and that was fabulous but you eventually have to fight your way out which yep. i don't love right because if i can talk my way in there's gotta be a way to talk my way out in the goblin camp, especially like I just had to slaughter all like yeah. to to get out. I literally just had to slaughter them, um, which they're goblins and they kill people, so who cares? But the the point is, it's like I got in talking my way and you're telling me there's not a way I can talk my way out like right my point is at some point my character comes becomes almost useless at some point in every set piece yeah and and I don't hate that actually like I I like my player character being a part of the party but not what the game revolves around, you know, and it's okay. Okay, that's a good point because it it, yeah. it allows, and this is where like comparing Baldur's Gate to like a Bethesda RPG, I think that Baldur's Gate does a better job of of storytelling because Bethesda RPGs lean so heavily on your player character as kind of the narrative driver, while at the same time letting you create a completely custom player character that like they they kind of do lip service to like what's your background and what's your you know like all that stuff which Baldur's Gate does too like Baldur's Gate is not any deeper necessarily on how it treats your player character based on you know your background decisions what you know like are you from <laughs> a royal lineage are you uh you know whatever whatever um but they lean so much more heavily on the other party members as the narrative driver that like it doesn't matter. Whereas a like a Bethesda RPG, like sometimes you're just like I'm just a random dude in this random world, and it's great. Like we love Bethesda RPGs, but sometimes you lose some of that narrative stuff because the player character is a, a defined character, you know. Uh, and and even though in Baldur's Gate your player player character isn't a defined character, there's so much good narrative that happens with the party that you get away with it. Like my guy has a story, and like I I kind of into my guy's story, you know. Like I know like who he is because of how I created him and how he relates specifically to the other party members. But it's the other party members that are the interesting ones. My guy isn't that interesting. Right. I like his yeah, story yeah. because I've created it, but like, yeah, I want to see what happens with Carlac. I want to see what happens with Shadowheart. I want to see what happens with Will. I'm, I'm the conduit to getting those stories told as opposed to telling my own story. And you are you just swaying me because you're hundred percent correct. That's what it is. It it just it, it really is a different feeling when you get to the end of a set piece and they're like, Okay, you gotta fight your way out. And I'm like, Great, but this guy's not really built for that. Right. Like, 
can can I swap him out? And, <laughs> right, exactly. And and swap somebody else in, which that's a I I don't think it would work if they did this, but if they were going to patch something in, I would love the ability to just leave that dude at camp. Yeah. Yeah, I I especially for different encounters like uh the option to swap out your player character for a different party member, I think would be really cool, you know, and almost have your, your player character be again, just that like lead of like progression of the game, but not necessarily you have to rely on him in combat or you have to rely on him or her in different situations or whatever it is. And so, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that too. Um, it is it's it's fascinating it's just a different game like we've talked about already like it's just a, a different vibe than just about any other game we've played and it's we're so so sunk into it at this point you know like uh there's so many other games we need to be playing and Baldur's Gate's going to get our attention for quite a while still because it's so captivating it's so interesting it's such a fascinating world and it's just so different than any other gaming experience that's out there right now I'm I'm uh, candidly a little surprised in its success because I would think it would be a turnoff to a lot of people like there's just the the vibe of the game i would think a lot of people would not dig like the niche it has is obviously very strong and it's just bigger than i thought it would be um but the people who are going to love it which we are kind of flatly in that category of people who are always going to love it are really going to be into it um but there's just a lot more people that are really into it than i anticipated well, and that I've talked a lot here, and so I really just want to ask you, after we we figured out that you and I are around the same place, we're essentially standing in the same place. Granted, you have done more of the Underdark than I have. I have to go do the Underdark next because I haven't done that. Mm-hmm. Um but after spending as much time as you have, how do you feel about it? Because I, it occurred to me that as I was playing the other day and I'm looking forward to Saturday because I don't have anything to do Saturday, which means I parked my butt in front of Boulder's Gate. Um, and after playing so many hours, I actually had the thought that I can't believe I'm thinking this, but this is one of those that I might actually want to play again. Yeah. Uh, Because I missed, like, for example, the treehouse. Apparently, the guy in the tree, you've been there, right? You've been in the treehouse with the old lady. So the, the, the... uh, Lauren or the the elf that is there, uh-huh. apparently has something to do with the Starian's, uh side quest. Yep, and of course I didn't know that, and he wasn't with me, mm. and so now I'm wondering. Okay, now that I've gone through that, like how does that, how does that interaction, if he is there? Yep. Move the story forward. And like, we don't have time to play Baldur's Gate again. But if there is one game in the last 20 years that I could see us redoing, it's Baldur's Gate 3. 
yeah, I, I think that's fair. It, it is. There's just so many decisions in it that really do change the game. Like we talk about kind of false decisions in games a lot. There's a lot of games that have quote unquote decisions uh, that don't really change much, you know, give you a different line of dialogue here or there. Like Baldur's Gate, like legit, like it, any, basically any circumstance, you could just like rage and kill everybody, you know, <laughs> like yeah, uh, that, that really changes things, you know, and like it just, there's, there's so many different ways things can play out. Um, and there is kind of an optimal way to progress through a lot of those different encounters. And so like, uh, all the stuff through, you know, the monastery and the crash. I've I've had Lazelle in my party to do all of that stuff, you know, because she's obviously yes. key for all of that stuff. And so I wouldn't think about doing that part of the story without her in my party. And there's other parts that have been that way, you know, like that it's with Will or with Shadowheart that there's been obvious points. I'm like, okay, I've, I've got to have them in my party because this is about their story. Which goes back to that narrative thing and how the narrative plays out. But there are times that you don't know that you're going to run into one of those things where it matters for your party and that it would be different if one of those characters were in your party or not. And, uh, you know, like, it's interesting to see how things play out or could have played out. And that's where I've been like, oh, what would have happened if Asterion was in my party at that point? Let me go Google and see. Because that's what I've been doing a lot of with Baldur's Gate. Because I know I'm not going to have time to play it again. I barely have time to play it one time. It's going to take right. me forever to get through this game. And so I... It's kind of almost like a choose your own adventure book, right? Like when I read choose your own adventure books when I was a kid. Yeah. Like it's like turn to page whatever or turn to page whatever. Like, okay, I'm going to turn to all of these pages to see what all the different paths were. You know, like I want to see even the one I chose what happens. I want to see what the other things are. And with, you know, every single uh, gaming website out there having a guide for Baldur's Gate, you can go and find it out. And just like, yeah, I don't have well, to wonder. I can go, oh, yeah, that's well, what would have happened. And there's been a few times the, I'm like, oh. I really want that. Let me go back and reload this save so I can make this decision so the game progresses the way I want it to progress. Well, and the thing that's different about this than everything else is, yeah, everybody has a guide, but nobody has a complete guide. Sure. Nobody. <laughs> yeah. No, like, there's, there's no, nobody has a guide. Like, I, I love IDN. IDN does great guides, but they have missed some major stuff. Like, I I was not joking when I said the other day that I have like eight tabs open. Yeah, because there, there's 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 literally like you got to go to like four different guides. Yep. To figure, for example, let me give you one that is huge, and now you can have it for the rest of the game. Did you know that the well outside the old lady's uh, place gives a buff of 10 points per long rest to every character that drinks from it? Nice. So, like, when you start a day, if you run over there and have everybody drink from that well... Everybody's HP goes up by 10 points. Like, that's not something that you can just pick random guy here and it's there. Like, there's yeah. just so much stuff that you literally have to have 8 to 10 tabs open to, to figure out what's there. And I'm still sure that I'm missing stuff. Absolutely. 
Yeah, 100%. And we're going to the whole way through. Really quickly, I'm going to mention just one other game because I have been playing uh, one other game. There's been a lot of games that have come out recently. And the other game is not Spider-Man, which is killing me. We're going to get to Spider-Man soon, but we have not started Spider-Man yet. Uh, but I've put uh, I've enough time into Super Mario Wonder to talk about it uh, Ooh, just a little bit. And it is nice. It is it is really, really great. And, and the reason I picked it up instead of Spider-Man is because I can play with Genevieve uh, and she's, you know, at a good age to be into uh, Super Mario Wonder, um, which would be into Spider-Man too, but we wouldn't have as much fun playing it together because it's not co-op and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, Super Mario Wonder, you know, uh, we have the co-op option uh, and she, she loves Mario. And so... Um, it is, uh, it is in a lot of ways, uh, a, a kind of spiritual successor to Super Mario World, which a lot of people have said. I can totally feel that in Super Mario World's my favorite Mario, probably my favorite Mario game, definitely my favorite platformer uh, Mario game, but probably overall my favorite Mario game. Um, and so it just feels really good because it has that similarity. And at the same time, it's super weird and trippy and so different. Uh, you have different power-ups. You have this weird thing in almost every level where it like goes like psychedelic in some weird way. So uh, babe, it's, it's, it's Super Mario 2. Re- it, it is in, but, in, in a way, yeah. but like feels like Mario more than Super Mario 2 did. Like Super Mario 2 was weird and trippy, but also didn't feel like the first game, uh, you know, it wasn't right. like we've talked about it before. The history of Super Mario Brothers 2 that we got in the United States was a completely different game that they skinned Mario onto. Uh, this feels like Mario, but has that same weird trippy nature to it like, like Super Mario 2 did back in the day that you're like, this is different, but it feels so much better. It's a good, good platformer. It's, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's stupid in all the ways that Mario is stupid. And so like, you're not finding any kind of interesting narrative to it. Like Bowser merges with a castle at the very beginning of the game. You're like, what is going on here? It doesn't matter. Like it's a really fun platformer that you spend half the time as an elephant. Cause that's one of the new power ups is elephant Mario. And it's, Oh, I bet Genevieve loves that. It's just fantastic. And so, uh, highly recommended. Uh, it is It is both, like, really different than Mario has been, and it's still Mario. And so, if you like Mario games, you're going to like it. Uh, if you don't get into Mario platformers, uh, go play Spider-Man. Uh, but, like, it's just really, really good. And no surprise there, Nintendo puts out really, really good games just constantly. And so, it is another of one of Nintendo's really, really good games. Can I get some of that on the YouTube, please? We do need to do that. I haven't done put any of that up on YouTube. We, uh, we'll have to do that. I, I, I would it like is, to see some of that. The other yeah. thing that it's also been very nice for, so obviously playing with Genevieve's been great. The other thing that I've been able to do with it is play it in handheld mode while I'm rocking a baby to sleep at night. Uh, yes. Which is uh, also very nice. Uh, I've played Baldur's Gate a good little bit on the Steam Deck as we, had, I think we talked about last time. We don't have time to get into that now. Yes, it's we did. fine. It's not great in my opinion. I'd much rather play it on a PC, but you know, in a pinch it, it works. Um, uh, but uh, obviously Mario on the Switch works great uh, in portable mode because there's basically no difference in a Switch and playing in portable mode and uh, docked mode. And so uh, it's, it's, pretty it, it plays great it's just yeah all around super mario wonder uh, uh highly recommended so that said that gets us good into our uh, good transition into our show notes with the game of the year nominees because super mario wonder is one of those uh nominees from the game awards this is a fascinating list uh so we've had a big year in games uh and there's yes. two two front run one of these two games is going to win we know what the two games that are that are going to win 
the other what four games that are nominated, there's six nominees for the Game Awards for Game of the Year, are are all really interesting to me. So the two big games are Baldur's Gate and, and Zelda. Uh, and uh, we can talk more about that here in just a second. Uh, but one of those is going to be Game of the Year. Here are the other four nominees. Alan Wake 2, which surprising. Wow. Yeah, I mean, apparently really good game, getting good reviews, but I didn't expect that for a Game of the Year nominee. Spider-Man 2. Again, maybe not surprising on that one, given how great the first one was, and it's getting good reviews. Resident Evil 4, a remake, and then Super Mario Wonder, right? Let me, just off the top of my head, the games that are not nominated for this, Diablo 4, Final Fantasy 16, Starfield, um, like, just... Like wild to me <laughs> that um, that Resident Evil Four, like which is again apparently great. Like a lot of people uh, think Resident Evil Four is kind of the the pinnacle of Resident Evil as a franchise, and then the remake apparently is very very good. Uh, but it is a remake, uh, and there are new games out there again and and established IPs for Diablo and and definitely for Final Fantasy. But still, that also had really really great reviews. And same thing with Alan Wake too, just kind of a uh, Dark Horse in there. Great. I love it. Uh, just really, what a year of games that we had that Diablo 4, which is fantastic. Final Fantasy 16, which apparently is fantastic, which we haven't even had time to get to. Uh, and Starfield, which is apparently very good. Uh, I, I'm going to stop short of fantastic on that one, but apparently is very, very good. And I you, would be, think you better be careful. You not get playing. This is true. Yeah. But we have, a, I've, I've played, you know, a couple of hours of Starfield and not enough to have any kind of real opinion on it yet. Um, it was another one we have to get to at some point, but still just uh, that big Bethesda RPG, big hype for years. Uh, is not one of the nominees is, is both a testament to how good of games we had this year, but also just, fascinating like grouping of games like just a really interesting grouping of games all that said Baldur's Gate or Zelda's gonna win and and that to me is such a challenging <laughs> decision uh because I adore both of these games uh so much uh if it was me personally I think I would choose Zelda because Zelda is my sweet spot well yeah but I think Baldur's my prediction if I had to predict is that Baldur's Gate would will win it and and I am a hundred percent okay with that so, I think this is the first year in a really long time that I feel like we can have co-winners, and I'd be totally okay <laughs> yeah. with that. Because, seriously, these are two of the greatest games in the last 25 years. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that I mean, they are have- literally all-timers. Like... I I don't know that we have adequately stated how good Boulder's Gate is. Yeah. I I I just I don't know if there are words that we can express how good it is. Yeah. And I can't really I can't really tell you why it's good other than then it doesn't really have a flaw. Yeah. Like, it doesn't really have a weak point. Like, everything about it is great. It's well done, high production values. It, it like, it, it looks good on my Mac for crying out loud. Like, I, I'm wondering 
I can't wait to see you at Christmas because I'm hoping that a computer comes with you. Right. <laughs> um, I'm wondering how much better something like Baldur's Gate is going to look uh, on a system that is built for that as opposed to this Mac that I'm planning on that it looks fabulous. Like, I'm going home next week for uh, from Wednesday until about Monday of the of the next week for Thanksgiving, and and I'm excited about that. I'm I'm excited to get to hang out with my family or whatnot. What I'm not excited about is playing Baldur's Gate three on my 24 inch Dell monitor <laughs> at my parents' house because Baldur's Gate is. The first game that I played that I'm like, yeah, this is why I bought this 35-inch widescreen monstrosity. This is why I, this is why. Yeah. And and now every time I go back and, and start playing games on my system at my parents' house, which eight years later runs fabulously. Yeah. Uh, I, I honestly think. Uh, that that Baldur's Gate probably runs better on that rig than it does on this Mac, but it looks so much better because of this screen right. that I don't want to play it <laughs> while I'm there. Yeah, and and so I I really do. I really feel like this is the first year that we could do. Code game of the year, and I wouldn't care. Yeah, um, I, I, I again, there's not a wrong answer for me in that in that scenario. Like <coughs> it is, it is purely like who whoever's making that decision, a personal choice thing. But they are. You've mentioned how great uh, Baldur's Gate is, and and how few issues it has which is is pretty remarkable and zelda is exactly the same way we talked about how polished that game is our biggest complaint with zelda is that it's not fully voiced uh which is you know a complaint but an artistic complaint uh, like there's there's rationale for that that we understand but a- apart from that there's just so few flaws with zelda as a game too just really really good good games uh they're spoiled uh really I quickly will, go ahead hold on before we get off that i just want to say that the the fact that a remake uh, has been nominated is very um, is very VGAs to me. Yes. Like, like that's that's a VGA move right there. And in another and, and, year, I would get it right. Like, you want to give credit to this great remake that is, you know, like again from all uh, uh, accounts, fantastic. But this is just a year with really great new games, you know, like two years ago or whatever it was um, that there just wasn't a whole lot Um, like totally get it. And I think Resident Evil 2, the remake might have been uh, nominated at that point or something, you know, like but like I, I, I am sad for Bethesda. I'm sad for Square Enix. I'm sad for Blizzard that those other three games were not nominated. Again, you can't nominate everything. I get that. None of them were going to win. Uh, it doesn't really matter, you know, but it's just fascinating to talk about uh, of this year and this year's quality of games. Like 2023 is going to be really hard to top for a long time. I And and I've, I'm so happy about the fact that, like, we don't have time, but we have to play Boulder's Gate in co-op. 
Yes, we and, do. And, and, we, and we have to put more than, I'm, I'm going to say something that I should not say because I know you don't have time. But we, it, when we do that, we need to put more than five hours into it. Yeah. Like, it needs to be something that you and I decide to, okay, we're going to take this number of Saturdays and and spend this number of hours. I, I know we're not going to get through the whole game, but sure. we need to play need a, a chunk of it. Yeah. And, and, and for us to say that about a game that we're both playing is insane. Yes. Uh, it, that's how good it is. Very much and, so. And, and I, like, my thing with Alan Wake, and, and then we'll move, like, I'm sure it's great. It's not game of the year. Right. It's it's just not. Right. Um, yeah, and to be fair, not. like, neither is Final Fantasy, or neither is Spider-Man, or whatever, like, all these other really good games, like, there's just such a, a top-tier of these two titles, in my opinion, this year, that like everything else is is very good at a tier right below, right? Like you just right. It doesn't really matter what the other nominees are because there's these two really standout titles, and some people will take issue with you know other games that might be on that same level, but I, I think for most people, I think those are the top two. Really quickly, yeah. I'll mention the one other category. You can go by GamingUncensored.com in the show notes see all the categories. But one other category, just as a testament to how spoiled we are right now, the most anticipated game category. So looking forward, here are the nominees for most anticipated game. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Yep, got it. My Maybe my yep. most anticipated game. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Hades 2, also got it. Like uh, Hades, big deal. People loved Hades. Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, Tekken 8, and Star Wars Outlaws. Which all will probably be decent games, but like it's just such a different level of like the games that aren't nominated for game of the year this year are almost certainly better than those games are going to be overall. You know, like with the exception of maybe Final Fantasy, maybe and maybe Hades, because Hades is so good. Um, like if they can recapture what they did in the first game, like that's going to be a game of the year kind of contender uh, as well. Those other ones just aren't, you know, like, and uh, like I, I, I want a good Star Wars Outlaws game as much as anybody, but it just, uh, it's not going to be that level of game almost certainly. Like we were just so spoiled this year. And well, we're going to be playing all the games from this year for the next two years. So we well, need a little bit of uh, yeah. that. That list of games is like, these are great. I'm going to put these aside. Let me tell you, my most anticipated games for 2024 Starfield, Spider Man 2, <laughs> you know, Baldur's Gate, which I will be playing well into next year. Like, that's, that's, yeah. I'm okay yeah. with a little bit of a break for sure. So. Uh, anyway, just a fascinating uh, uh, kind of look at where games have been and where we're going, and it's going to be a great game. So we're going to play the crap out of as many of them as we can. So uh, a couple other quick things uh, before we wrap up for today. Uh, a couple of things from uh, uh, really just one quick thing here because we'll get into this more once uh, we actually get it. Um, Grand Theft Auto Six is is coming, and we're going to find out more about it soon. And that was big news in and of itself. There's one other uh, Grand Theft Auto Six story in here, but we'll. We'll save it for another time because I do want to skip ahead just a little bit because I want to make sure we have time to talk a little bit about the live action Zelda uh, movie. Uh, so I uh, officially announced this is in development uh, with uh, Miyamoto producing, which is 
good. We need Miyamoto as involved with this as possible. Uh, being directed uh, by Wes Ball, who I think is probably most known for the Maze Runner movies, which I've never right. seen any of. Yeah. But there's like I have not, but I have three, four of them, something I don't know. And those books, are I hear they're good. pretty good. Yeah, and so yeah. like. I know what the trailers for those movies look like. And so I kind of know the vibe of them. And I'm like, okay, I could see that vibe kind of translating to live action Zelda world. So, so personnel seems fine. Seems okay. It, it really is just a question of like, can you do a compelling live action Zelda movie? And, and uh, <laughs> like, obviously like, no, look, I think what he should have done was done unanimated mm. something that that's what it should have been um because i had my issues with the mario movie before it came out and then i saw it and it was fabulous right like that that's one thing about these nintendo titles there's not a single nintendo title out there really that lends itself to live action. Right. There's just not. Even Metroid. Like but Metroid would be cool live action. Yeah. But That's the best you, one. Could you really do it well? I, it's in, a good question. A, like, I a, mean. But of any Nintendo property, Metroid as a live action is the one that makes the most sense to me. I To me, Zelda live action is going to be some dude running around. It, with a sword in a pink in, in, a, in a green in <laughs> yeah, a green this is, like this is the like, thing about Zelda you're 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 right on like the biggest challenge in my opinion two first is that like the the kind of cartoonish nature of Link no matter what even in um, the Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom kind of era of Zelda. Like, there's still just a cartoonish nature to it that if you put a dude in a green tunic and a funky hat running around, maybe not a funky hat, you know, have a hat all the time in, in, uh, in the Tears of the Kingdom, Breath of the Wild world, but still, like, it just feels weird. The other thing is the dude's got to talk, right? You yeah. can't have a live action movie where Link doesn't talk. You could, like, I could totally see, like, Legend of Zelda anime that would be phenomenal where Link just yes. does all the vocalizations like he does now. Uh, that would totally work because you could do all the little, like, anime emotion icons and that kind of stuff. I'm not well-versed in anime, so I'm using terrible language here, and I apologize for that. But, like, that, to me, could make a lot of sense. You have to, like, just from the very get-go here, have to break what Zelda is as a game to make it work as live action because he's got to talk. Link has to talk in this. But this is the, the thing that I would say that I have hope is exactly what you brought up to start with is that the Mario movie was really good. Uh, and we were definitely skeptical about that. And we were like, Chris Pratt, Mario, really? That's weird. And and whatever. Everything worked out that that was a really fun movie that we've watched a couple more times now. It's on streaming. Genevieve loves it. I love it. Like, it's just a good time. It's really fun. And it breaks Mario. Like, it's, it's not my... It, it is the story of Mario in a way that, like, isn't the games. Like, the Mario movie is a very 
distinguishable departure from what the games are. And I think you could make a compelling Zelda movie that is a very distinguished departure from what the games are. You're not trying to fit it into the timeline, which with Zelda already is super convoluted and a mess. You're not trying to make it make sense to the diehard Zelda fans. You're trying to have it connect with people who love the franchise, but you're trying to tell it in a new way, which I think is what the Mario movie did really well. It wasn't trying to be Mario as a video game turned into a movie. It really did its own thing, but with, you know, characters and and areas that you're familiar with and that kind of stuff and, and, and executed. If (laughs) they could pull that off with Zelda, it would, could be amazing. I am more skeptical about Zelda than I was about Mario pretty skeptical about Mario and it turned out but way more skeptical skeptical about Zelda especially being live action well I mean another example of this which is why I'm skeptical is the Wheel of Time uh, because that's on Amazon that's a fabulous novel uh, it, it I, I love it that's that's 15 books that I've read all of them and they're great um, and I watched the first season of Will of Time and it was all right. The the second season is out there. It's on Amazon right now. I saw it pop, pop up yesterday when I was checking out Thursday Night Football, which, holy crap, can they <laughs> fix the audio issues for Thursday Night Football? It's horrendous. Have you seen that? I have not. Um, 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 like, but my point is, season two is out there, and I haven't watched it because I know it's going to be just okay. Yeah. And and I'm spending every single waking hour that I have playing Boulder's Gate. Like, I'm sure the Zelda game, the Zelda movie is going to be passable. But this is one of those that you don't want it to be passable. Yeah. It needs to be great or they need to not do it. Right. Or it needs to be miserable in, in like proof of concept of like, okay, let's not do this again. Uh, that, yeah. That's like my biggest worry is it's like, it's okay. And then they're like, okay, well, let's make three more of them and just be inundated with like Zelda, you know, stuff. Like I want one amazing Zelda movie and then like do something else. You know, like I don't want this to turn into MCU. I don't want in Nintendo cinematic universe of like getting all these crossovers and all this kind of stuff happening with, with these Nintendo franchises, like give it to us in this format. If you think you could really execute and give us a really well executed version of Mario of Zelda of Metroid again, Metroid, I think, so many cool things you could do with it. Um, like almost alien-esque, you know, like imagine yeah. like Ridley Scott Metroid, like, you know, like you could do so many cool things uh, with it. Um, but uh, it, it like do it and then move on. Uh, don't keep going back to this as kind of a, a cash cow. And and that's my worry with this kind of Nintendo getting well into the world of, of film and, and it could get really messy really quickly. Yeah, it could. It probably will. Probably will. Uh, people like money, uh, and they're going to make money. So, uh, <laughs> probably will. So, uh, that said, really quickly on World of Warcraft, uh, uh, three quick stories on World of Warcraft just to throw these in here because again, it's 2023, not 2008. Uh, but some of this feels a little bit like 2008, which is wild. So, first of all, World of Warcraft may be coming to consoles. <laughs> I just. Uh, 
<laughs> like, just like, yeah, okay, sure, why not? Like, at this point, uh, uh, have World of Warcraft on consoles. Uh, but aside from that, new expansions announced both for World of Warcraft and World of Warcraft Classic, which is fascinating. So for World of Warcraft... The idea that World of Warcraft is still just this successful, like they announced not a new expansion, but three new expansions that are all part of a bigger narrative arc that's called the World Soul Saga, that the first one's going to come out next year, but like already just like uh, planning for the next 20 years is what they're talking about of of storytelling with uh, World of Warcraft, which is again, just wild so, <laughs> that, that game is still uh, as as relevant as it is so we can talk this down but this this is one of those things where you and i are a little bit out of date because i talked to somebody on tuesday i kid you not who still plays world of warcraft on a regular basis yeah and i think there are hordes of people out there still playing world of warcraft and it's just something that you and I don't do anymore. Yeah. And so when I saw this, I thought, yeah, that makes sense because I know people still playing it. Yeah. And they obviously aren't sinking this kind of time and resources into it if there's not, you know, like already planning ahead for two more expansions <laughs> on top of the next one that's coming. Uh, like there's obviously demand for it. And in the other one, there is another expansion to talk about that's already existing, but World of Warcraft Classic, which of course is World of Warcraft for old guys like us when they wanted like to go away from all the newfangled stuff that they've added through all the expansions, is now getting expansions. So they've already done Wrath of the Lich King with World of Warcraft uh, Classic. They're adding the Cataclysm uh, uh, expansion. Which was, for us, again, old guys that played World of Warcraft back in the day, I have no idea what, like, the world in World of Warcraft looks like now, how many, you know, different areas, continents there are, and all that kind of stuff. But Cataclysm, when it came out, was a big, big deal, because it upended the map. Like, there was this event that happened, the Cataclysm, that, like destroyed cities like made places that you used to could go not available anymore like zones were like respect to be like harder areas because of the cataclysmic events and all this stuff and it's one of the reasons that like world of warcraft classic existed to start with right is like people were like i miss warcraft before like this big change happened like it was kind of the thing of having the classic option and now it's just essentially like following the same progression except 10 years behind or whatever it is, but like, it's just going through the same expansions over time as, uh, as the original world. Is classic still free? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I would be cool if it was, I could, if I had time, I, I would dive back into it, man. I loved world of Warcraft when we yeah, played it's it great. a lot. It's, it's just fantastic. We just don't have the time. Um, sexy sidekick played world of Warcraft. We were reminiscing about that the other day. Yeah. Like, just, that was just fantastic. So uh, I love it. I'm glad to see it still thriving and, and this stuff happening, even as weird as trying to wrap my head around the idea that they're adding, like there's going to be World of Warcraft, like classic, classic, you know, <laughs> like, okay, now let's release it for a third time again before the Cataclysm. So people who uh, started playing it on the second time who are annoyed by the Cataclysm could go back to it before whatever. And so I'm sure there's a lot more layers to it than that because we're not inundated with it anymore, uh, any more than the, like we were. Uh, but just seems bizarre <laughs> to me that they're like just 
following the same playbook, just 10 years behind or whatever it is. Well, it, it, it's, it really is a testament to the success of Wizard. And they, they got bought by Activision a long time ago. And World of Warcraft started before yeah. Activision. Um, and that's how, that's how that acquisition kind of started to happen is they got this monster that was World of Warcraft. And, and the fact that we're still talking about it 20 minutes, 20 years later is like, that's mind bending. That like, that's Mario level, you know, yeah. Game stuff right there. Yeah. Good for them. Again, we loved World of Warcraft. We played tons and tons and tons of it uh, back in the day uh, and paid for it long after we stopped playing it for yes, uh, we regularly. Did. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it still is there. I'm glad enough people are still playing it to keep supporting it at this level. And, and I do hope it continues that way for a long time because it really is a fantastic title. So. Uh, that said, really quickly, releases a uh, handful of things uh, because it's been a little while since we did a show. So uh, some notable ones for sure. Uh, Super Mario RPG actually out today. Currently an 83 uh, on Metacritic. So solid. I mean, about what I would expect uh, from uh, uh, Mario RPG released in 2023. So uh, we mentioned uh, both Mario Wonder and Spider-Man 2 have been released uh, since last we did a show. Both of them doing quite well 90 and 91 respectively i think on metacritic 92 for super mario brothers wonder 90 for spider-man 2 so uh big deal alan wake 2 has been released at 87 currently on metacritic uh city skylines i, I did play another game uh city skylines 2 i love a city builder is on game pass and so i've spent just a little bit of time uh playing uh, uh skyline or city uh cities skylines too on uh game pass which is uh which is fantastic as well another great game in there so tons and i have to mention this one because i have a five-year-old bluey the video game which i didn't even know was coming but bluey is phenomenal uh anybody that has okay. kids knows bluey uh the bluey is I'm, just I'm an old guy i do not have kids because <laughs> i have no idea what what um, is bluey 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 is a cartoon uh from australia uh, it is uh, a family of uh, of <laughs> Australia or like blue healers. Uh, so a blue Ooh. healer and red healer. So the dad's a blue healer, the mom's a red healer, and then there's a blue healer, red healer daughters. Uh, so Bluey is like five or six, and then she has a little sister who's three, I think, or something like that. And it's just like the you know world that they get up to. But it's just the like as far as like kid shows go, like it is so wonderfully entertaining. It is. Uh, uh, both wholesome and like uh, uh, funny for kids at the same time. It just, it, it's like every parent's favorite kids show <laughs> at this point. And Genevieve loves Bluey. Um, uh, and so, yeah, a Bluey video game is going to make an appearance in our house at some point because I love Bluey and Genevieve loves Bluey. And it's just uh, kind of in the world of if you have a toddler in, in the like late 20 teens, early 2020s, uh, you probably adore Bluey too. Well, when it when it does come to your house, please put some of that up on YouTube because I have no idea. Like until you just said that, yeah. I, <laughs> I have no idea because I don't have a toddler. So. Yep, yep. That's uh, that's yeah. that's very fair. But if you do, I, I, I imagine you are familiar with Bluey because Bluey is 
kid cultural phenomenon and, and amazing. Uh, I appreciate it all. So anyway, that's uh, that's mostly show notes. Go by GamingUncensored.com and see what we missed because there's definitely stuff we missed. So we have so much stuff we need to get, catch up on. This is the first time that we have seen each other in about three weeks. He's looked at his watch about eight times, which means <laughs> he got to get out the door. Uh, we know we're going to see each other at some point within the next month. We just don't know when. Uh, as is our usual custom, there will be uh, some sort of Christmas uh, content, uh, end sure. of year type content, because that's what we do. Uh, we cannot give you a timeline on that because honestly, we should have talked about it before <laughs> we opened this mic, and we did not. And even if we so, had, we wouldn't know. So everything's um, up in the air all the time right now. We we we've got stuff coming up. We're gonna see each other, which we're really excited about. I'm I'm going to see uh another new person at some point here, which I'm really excited about. Yes. Um we we've got a lot of stuff going up, and and I know that we say it every single time we get on the air, but I promise you folks. We are going to get more regular, <laughs> if if not only for our own personal sanity. Um, it is going to happen. We don't know how. We don't know when. But we are going to get more regular. And those of you that are still here, we appreciate you greatly for hanging in with us. Uh, because really, you probably shouldn't still be here. <laughs> um so thank you so much for hanging out with us. Yes. You know where the Facebook page is. You know where the Patreon is. Uh, we we will give you some content, especially in the next several weeks for Patreon. I just can't tell you what it will be or when it will be, but I promise you it will be there. And uh, I'm really excited about the next several weeks. Other than that, sir, is there anything else? I think we're good. All right, I'm Jamie. That's Tommy. We are Gaming Uncensored, and for one more week, we are out. Would you like to submit a segment for the show? Send it to gaminguncensored at gmail.com. And don't worry, we'll play just about anything. Gaming Uncensored.